I'm Austin, and this is the Solana Podcast. This is our second episode showcasing conversations from this year's Breakpoint Conference, which saw over 3,600 builders and Solana community members come together in Lisbon. The community is still dealing with the fallout of FTX and will be for some time. But the last two weeks have seen builders come together to redeploy key infrastructure like Serum, step further into leadership roles, and help impacted teams navigate uncertain waters. The panel you're about to hear, NFTs for All, features some of the most prominent entrepreneurs in the space discussing what the future holds for mass adoption and scalability of NFTs. Let's get into it. Awesome. So it's so great to be with everybody today and uh, with all of you that are streaming and watching the show. I'm Matt Stotts. You might know I'm also the host of the Permissionless Art podcast. Um, I've had a lot of different uh, NFT artists and creators and technologists on the podcast, uh, as well as being the uh, a co-founder and chief strategy officer at Olaplex. Really excited to have our panel here to talk about scaling NFTs, essentially what's going to be happening here in the market uh, as we continue to build um, and go through that opportunity. I want to introduce everybody quickly, and then I'm going to hand it to uh, Vic to do a little bit of a context setting for all of us. So we have uh, Dayo Adeoshan. He's the co-founder of Glass uh, XYZ and the first category-leading NFT marketplace on Ethereum and now on Solana, which is awesome, right? And we have... uh, Larissa Barbu, COO of Exchange Art, which is the leading fine art marketplace on Solana for NFTs. Fantastic. Um, and then Vic Quinn um, from Alpha Team at Nansen. It's a blockchain analytic company that specializes in on-chain data, visualization, and research. Um, and so he's got some great context for us. Kind of kick us off. Hey, thank you so much for having me here, everyone. I guess the first question we got to ask with Scalability is like, why are we here? Like, how did we get to this point? Um, so in, in regards to, say, Solana, what happened with that? It's got a hybrid consensus model, which uses proof of history, and that's combined with proof of staking. That resulted in basically a mass adoption, basically, because the amount of transactions and the cost of transactions is a lot more scalable. So to kind of give it a perspective, I guess it's like you're comparing like, the TPS around about 13 to about theoretical 65,000 TPS. That kind of rivals like your TradFi payment processes that are available right now in, this, in the day and age. But is a Solana NFT exactly the same as, say, one on another blockchain? I'd say no. A, it's not EVM compatible. But B, um, it's built on Rust as opposed to Solidity. But third, it also has a different token standard. So if we kind of kind of like if we kind of deep dive into a little bit more, like the components of a blockchain, um, it relies on a peer-to-peer network, cryptography, and algorithm consensus, as well as a reward and kind of like I guess punishment system, if that makes sense. Going, going back to, like, I guess, like, we, we've got the proof of stake, and the concept of that is that uh, basically a nodes that commit to the network, and then they get selected to validate, then they get rewarded for their um, securing the network, if that makes sense. So we then took proof of history, which is basically now the nodes can be segmented into time slots, and on top of that, the leader nodes, they keep track of time, if that makes sense. And what that means is that the network can validate transactions without the need for the block to fill up. So that reduces the latency, but also increases the throughput. And then as a result of that, that's where the scalability and greater mass adoption occurs, right? Because now um, you've got lower cost of transactions, you've got multiple transactions on a much greater scale. And then as a result of that, you had key players that entered into the space. People that were minting, people that are trading, people that are collecting, people that are creating, they all gravitated to the space. And of all, like, we don't have that first mover advantage, we do definitely have that greater adoption and global scale advantage. 
So, uh, Victor, I think you've laid out really well what the kind of technical underpinnings of the Solana network and other competing blockchains are in the, in the space and then how that has had, had some effect on NFTs. You know, at, at, at Olaplex, we're building enterprise infrastructure for NFT projects that are going to go from 10,000 to 10 million users and more and 10 million to hundreds of millions or billions of assets and more. And we're bullish on that long term. We're not seeing that now. We're definitely in a different market condition. So I'm going to ask you, Larissa, like, what do you see from creators and do you, ex you know, what are you seeing from the market conditions today? What are creators looking for in terms of scalability? Will we see these massive drops or giant growth in, in the digital assets such as NFT? So I think that from a creator's perspective, um, what they are looking for is liquid market and certainly Solana being the highest growing community, both from a developer perspective and uh, an artist perspective has helped that massively. The fact that Solana has high, um, high transaction speed and really low cost helps a lot with mass adoption because the promise of Web3 for creators was that they will find new ways to monetize their artworks. However, what happened with a few L1s out there is that the costs are most of the time prohibitive for most of the artists out there. So Solana uh, really helps breaking these barriers and actually delivers on the promise of creating a new place and new technologies to help creators monetize their artworks. Got it. Um, Dio, I'd ask you kind of a similar question. You're doing video NFTs. Now you're taking an awful lot of experience and imagery and kind of locking that up in a single digital asset. What are creators looking for in terms of scalability and how do you kind of convey that to them and, 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 and what do they find important? So I would say that creators are first looking to monetize their creations. Sure. You know, so all video creators typically go from TikTok to YouTube to monetize. And so... From a scalability perspective, they would prefer a blockchain that they didn't even really have to know about, you know, where it's like you could buy an NFT and you have less than $30, you know, in your wallet. And so I would say that creators want an accessible blockchain, unlike ETH, um, which we were on ETH for like a year last year. And we had done drops with like Timbaland, Kygo, and... Being able to buy an NFT on ETH using MetaMask, the, the experience was a lot of friction. And so creators really just want like a frictionless experience where they can just buy NFTs super seamlessly. Honestly, if they could do it with a credit card, that would probably be best. And um, the goal is to really just monetize their creations and own what they're creating with the community that shares it together. Absolutely. I think one of the things people are seeing from the Solana blockchain is just that much faster user experience um, if you know you've got uh, obviously lower gas fees if any at all um, that certainly moves things up Vic what are you seeing from the on the perspective I know Nansen has really good intel onto what's happening in all of the blockchains really so like what are you seeing in the NFT market in particular from your vantage point yeah, so from from my vantage point I'm just like we're seeing a lot of interesting I guess behaviors from the participants in the space if that makes sense uh, we're finding like for example, over, over the time, right, like, you'll have the creation of DAOs that are designed to specifically collect artwork for creators, and they're forming, like, kind of like a pool based on just, like, the enjoyment of the art, if that makes sense, kind of like on one-on-one -on -one art kind of level. But also on the other end of the spectrum, you've got people that are collecting the artwork but, and NFT projects and kind of, like, flipping it, and then with the intention of kind of, like, the, the trading mentality, if that makes sense. And then somewhere in between all that, you've just got the people that just enjoy collecting the art. They just yeah. like the art. 
And then it's kind of like interesting when you observe, say, like you go into their wallet and observe, it's just like the different arrays of someone's collection of um, NFTs, if that makes sense. So Larissa, um, you've been doing great work with artists and fine art, I guess you would call it, and, and you know, really one of one artists is, is another way people describe these, uh, these NFT creators. Um, how much more opportunity do you think there is in this category on Solana? Is, uh, do you see this as a growing market? Have you, have you reached uh, stasis in some way? What's, what's next? I think we're looking at significant growth over the next one or two years, um, largely because we are looking at larger brands that are looking to enter the space. So recently we had Reddit, who just onboarded 3 million um, wallets with one collection. We have uh, newly owned Elon Musk Twitter um, that is looking to bring NFTs closer to their core business model. We have Meta, we have Google, who just announced here at Breakpoint uh, some new, uh, some more support for artists and for NFTs and for Solana. So I think there is great growth that will come in the next one or two years. I think we're also looking, the more we're pushing ahead, I think we're looking at more utility and um, use cases for NFTs that yeah. will drive, help drive mass adoption. I think we're also looking next year at um, a continuation of the heated debate on royalties as marketplaces and artists and um, collectors are figuring out which ones are the best business models that they would like to apply going forward. I don't think we reached in any way um, capacity and I think there is a lot of upside from here onwards. Well, I, I would agree there's a lot of upside. Um, there's certainly bullish signal from the fact that Instagram uh, you know, is integrating Solana NFTs. Um, you know, Google coming to, in to support some infrastructure uh, in terms of running validators and, and providing cloud services. Um, at the same time, those are really big brands, right? These are like the tech giants. Yeah. Um, and so as a startup operator, as a you know, small, uh, relatively to the scale of these, these tech behemoths, um, Larissa, how do you think about that uh, at, with your company in that context? That's some pretty heady potential competition. I don't see much as competition. I see there is just a lot of opportunity going forward. We have our knowledge that we managed to gather over the past year, and we have built a strong community here on Solana as our home. And I think um, we will be looking to collaborate with all the other big brands that are coming to the space to find um, the best ways to help creators grow and to deliver on the promise in which we started a year ago to actually um, help creators make a living and thrive outside of the traditional um, art model where they depend on a gallery that typically uh, charges between 50 to 70% of, a sale, of their sale price. So we will still be here and we'll be looking to help and to partner with all the, all the actors that can help us deliver on the promise that we've made a year ago. Great. I would paint the, the same question to you, Dio. So you were talking about your projects, uh, your creators come to you from YouTube. They come to you from you know, Instagram. These are Meta and Google's products, right? So like, how do you feel about uh, you know, this, this? It's a really good sign, but also potentially challenging. So I think we need context, you know, because we started this because we believe video is the biggest market in the world. And so... In the 1960s, 1970s, there were about like 10 channels. Sure. You know, a few cable networks that owned those channels. I think it was fewer than that. Yeah, yeah. fewer than that. <laughs> right? And then in 2005, you had YouTube that came out, and it pretty much just said anyone can make their own channel. Anyone can be a star, and YouTube is going to own that network. 
And now in Web3 in 2021, you had Glass, which came out and said, anyone can create a channel, anyone can become a star, and anyone can own the network that they're creating content for. So I think there's a fundamental issue for Web2 platforms coming into the space, which comes down to creator ownership of the platform. You know, it's like Ronaldo has how many followers on Instagram? It's like people come to Instagram for Ronaldo. And so I think what we're going to see is humans are going to get tired of intermediaries like ads getting in between their experience with the people who they want to connect with. Um, we're going to see these live experiences like this where you're making, like, you know, Timlin is making $30,000 in two hours on his Genesis music video with his board ape. Yeah. And, and that's an experience that is fundamentally not possible on YouTube. And so I think from a marketing perspective, there's a new tool set. I think from a like actual product perspective, there's a new tool set. Ownership of that product perspective, there's a new tool set. And I just think when you have so many different parts of the founder stack being disrupted, I don't think that they're going to be able to get like a creator like Tihan from China who has 100 followers on Twitter but can still monetize his video on a team, make $1,000 by getting 50 collectors that are buying his video for $20. So I don't think they're going to be able to compete where we are because we're, you know, just a little underneath. But I do think, you know, we, it's great to have these bigger guys come in just to give more validation to the people who still might be on the fence, but I would say hop now if you're on the fence. I, I hear you. So uh, great way to just put the context out there. Web 2, Web 3, you can't compete with what I love. I think, Dio, this is the first time I've ever heard this founder stack. Uh, we talk a lot about the software stack and the technology stack. Uh, Olaplex, we build an indexer that's fully open source but available for every protocol to read off of the chain. And like we're so deep into that. And then you realize like you've got fundamental economics for the founders, um, people who want to create and own what they're doing. That's, that's really fundamentally different. Yeah, it's, creators are creator businesses now, right? So it's like everyone grew their, their network on somebody else's platform yeah. and they're realizing that and they're like, dang it. But now, like, as people collect your NFTs, you have a one-to-one -one relationship with those people, and then you just keep growing that. And so instead of Mr. Beast giving people a bunch of money 10 years later into his YouTube career, now you have an uh, up-and-coming Mr. Beast that is offering you NFTs for $10. You're flipping those for, like, $30, $40. And as Mr. Beast drops each video, you're monetizing with him throughout his career to the top. Incredible. Plus, there's Beast Burgers now, too, right? I think. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So we went IRL. Uh, Vic, I wanted to get back to some interesting questions around scale. We talked a lot about the technology stack. Dio told us about the founder stack, which is really cool. But there's a financial stack as well in the Solana ecosystem. We're talking about, you know, low cost of transactions, but also um, how does that, you know, general availability of, uh, of a highly liquid token and many tokenized protocols, how does that accelerate uh, adoption here and, and create better uses for creators, people who are making NFTs? Yeah, definitely, because um, when you're looking at on a, like a global scale, you want the creator economy to be able to access the tools to be able to create, right? And it's not really possible if it costs hundreds of dollars to actually create their, their works, if that makes sense. Um, so being able to do transactions for fractions of a cent. Um, and then, for example, you look at Solana Mobile, you're looking at having mobile devices available to all users, the experience to be able to onboard people 
like say on a Web 2 level and a Web 3 where the experience is pretty much no different in the future, um, you're now having creators giving more scale in terms of reach than ever before. Amazing, yeah. I, I, I would just add that um, you know you're you're participating in an economy, um, and so when you when you come into the Solana ecosystem, there are built-in economics that can really work to the advantage of anyone who's creating. Um, and obviously, you've got liquidity, you've got the ability to trade the assets that you're creating. A lot of fundamental things that I think for the founders who are coming to this space, they really have to appreciate, right? Um, they're not just using a service or a platform. Exactly. So it's really cool. Uh, we got to, um, I'm going to do like a quick lightning round and I'm going to ask you a little bit about your favorite NFTs. Vic, I know you are in the Monk Dow, serious SMB owner and all that, but I, you can't shill your own project or your, your favorite. So pick another favorite project in NFT and we'll go down the line and talk about them. Another favorite project. I'm um, actually a Solarium NFT. Uh, basically, it's a project that a friend created, but it was basically a uh, precisionally generated flowers and stuff like that. And she created, basically I had a passion from the kind of like an artist perspective, but watching the behind us process of actually working out the different layers between the, um, the, the gradients and stuff like that was just really fascinating watching someone who was previously Web 2 and so Web 3 space and then actually like appreciating it from a, like a, watching a founder grow essentially. That was something I had the privilege of like, you know, like I couldn't get that anywhere else. Amazing. Larissa? I will pick a category instead of um, an artist and my category of choice this time is um, 3D art. 3D art. Okay. So we are looking at, um, and the reason why I'm looking at that is because in the future, um, in probably one or two years, we'll see more and more fine art merging with fashion. And that's where this 3D art will come and, ha and play a bigger role. So that's my uh, pick, of, uh, pick of the day. Amazing. Uh, Dio, now you got to pick a video NFT. So yeah. that's going to be hard. Yeah, this is almost impossible just because we've dropped so many amazing drops, which you guys can check out on ETH.glass.xyz and the new glass.xyz. But we recently just did a drop with Kids of the Apocalypse, and they did like a 666. NFT mint on Magic Eden and then link that to their debut music video NFT that they dropped on Glass on Thursday. Amazing. And so everyone who collected the Magic Eden one was able to collect the free video NFT and then they were able to flip that. And so I would say Kids of the Apocalypse, which was done with Rio Cragen and some legendary guys, like it kind of feels like Stranger Things. And I, I don't know if they're going to make a movie. Awesome. I got to check it out. Uh, I'd say my favorite is uh, Motley Friends coming out on the night market. Uh, new project. I think is super cool. Mm -hmm. um, and I want to thank you all for being here and talking about thank the market so and what's happening us. on Solana. Thank you. Awesome. Thank you. Thank, thank you so much. Thank you.